will be in the New Testament in the uh, book of Acts, chapter 5. We'll be looking at verses 17 through 34, uh, titled the message this week, The Desire to Be Different. And I'm going to ask you a question. Do you have a desire to be different? I'm going to ask you a second question. Are you different? And that's to Let it roll, baby. Come on. Huh? Do you have a desire to be different? I, I should have waited for the answer, huh? Yeah. Do you have a desire to be different? And then the question is, you, do, are you different? And, and my explanation is, I hope that you are different, and I hope that you have a desire to be different. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning. As followers of Jesus Christ, people should see us as different. We're not the same. They should see us different. I'm not saying different in a way that leads people to believe that we are better than other people, that we're better than other denominations or better than other people. That's not what I'm saying. Not leading people to believe that there's a sense of arrogance about being different. But we are different. Christian life should be seen as different because of who we serve, because of the God we serve, because of the mission that he has us on. We should be seen as different. He's number one in our lives. We want people to understand that. We want them to know that. We want people to, to, to see our lives, to see our character in our lives, but directly reflect the fact that they know who we are. You want to be seen as a Christian because of the difference that stands out in your life. When you think about it, um, Patty and I was talking about this uh, yesterday. When you think about it, when we were growing up, we did not necessarily want to be seen as different. Amen? I mean, when you were growing up and you were young, you, would, you didn't really want to be different. You didn't want to stand out. You wanted to be the, in the in crowd, so to speak. You wanted to have the, 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 the in-style clothing. You wanted to hang out with the cool people, right? Y'all didn't want to do that? You didn't want to be different. You didn't want people to, to look at you as different. I would venture to say that most of us wanted to fit in, so to speak. We wanted to be part of the in crowd. We wanted to be part of those people who, who were the most popular. Most people did not necessarily want to be seen as different. But let's look at something that the Bible says about that. The biblical philosophy of the Christian life is that we are different. It's completely different than those who are not Christians. We are different. As new believers, we begin a journey as spiritual infants. And as spiritual infants, sometimes we might not want to step out of the comfort zone. We might want to stay in that, that comfort zone because as a new believer, we still don't think we know enough. We don't know enough to talk to people. We don't know enough to, for people to know that we are different. We want to stay right where we are in our Christian walk but because we're spiritual infants. But as we grow in our relationship with our Heavenly Father and as the power of the Holy Spirit gets inside of us and then God starts to work inside of us and starts to do a work through us, people should see that as a Christian, we are different. We're completely different. Since the beginning of this year, when we go all the way back to, to the first message that I preached at the beginning of this year, I've tried to place a heavy emphasis, emphasis on how obedient servants responded to the will of God. And he said, well, here, here he goes again with that same thing. Well, let's look at it. There's a lot of obedient servants in the will of God. There's a lot of people who served throughout the Bible that were following what God had given them to do. And we've been talking about that all the way up to this point. And we're going to continue to talk about obedient servants because ultimately, as Christians, we need to be obedient servants. Amen? 
We need to be responding to what God places in our life. Each and every one of the people that we have talked about through this to this point, each and every one of them that we've studied has been different in the way they responded to God. Now, not different in a way that because they're all on the same team. They're all working for the same master. They're all pre- presenting the same message, but different from the people they were talking to, different from the environments that they were in. That's how they were, they were different in each of these different ways, but different from the people they were talking to. Now, this morning, through our worship time together, we're going to continue to look at how God uses obedient servants for his mission and his purpose, because that's what the church is all about, fulfilling God's mission and his purpose until Jesus returns again. We're going to look at some things this morning about how obedient servants had a desire to be different. If you were able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word this morning? Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 17, says this. And I want you to think about every verse. And I'm not going to stop in the verses, but I'd love to. Sometimes I think about maybe I should, but I want to read the whole passage. And I'll try to come back to those verses. But there's certain things in these verses that just stand out to me. And let's look at 17. Then the high priest rose up, he and all who were with him, who belonged to the party of the Sadducees. And they were filled with jealousy. i like to stop right there just for a second. They were filled with jealousy. I'm going to emphasize that in just a minute. But I want you to think about that word, how they responded because they were filled with jealousy. Verse 18. So they arrested the apostles and put them in a public jail. But an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night, brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and tell people all about this life. Hearing this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. When the high priest and those who were with him arrived, they convened at the Sanhedrin, the full council of the Israelites, and they sent orders to the jail to have them brought out. But when the servants got there, They did not find him in the jail, so they returned and reported. We found the jail securely locked. You look at that. They found the jail securely locked with the guards standing in front of the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. As the captain of the temple police and the chief priests heard these things, they were baffled about them, wondering what would come of this. Someone came and reported them. Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple. They're teaching to the people. Then the commander went with the servants and brought them into without force because they were afraid people might stone them. After they brought them in, they had them stand before the Sanhedrin and the high priest asked, didn't we strictly order you not to teach in the name, in this name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Let me stop there for just a second. In this verse of scripture, you'll notice that they can't even mention the name of Jesus. They can't even say his name, but yet they refer to him not to teach in his name. Verse 29, people, Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than people. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. God exalted this man to the right hand of the rule as ruler and savior to give repentance to the Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things, so it is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who we obey Him. Pray with me, please. Father, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. God, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your Son's precious and holy name. Amen.
You may be seated. If we get into the message this morning, I'm going to encourage you not to look at your phone and not to look at your watch. I looked at mine, I'm thinking, oh boy. All right. But it's still, we're going to get through it together this morning. God wants a, us to be different. He wants Christians to be different this morning and every day. I'm going to look at some things and how he wants us to be different. God handpicked through Jesus Christ. He handpicked the apostles. He handpicked the disciples. And he set them aside for the purpose of being different. That's exactly what he did. God has handpicked you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, he's handpicked you to be different, to show people his love, to show the, the love that he has for all people. He's handpicked every single one of us. When we go back to the, the disciples, the apostles, we look at this. He spent time with them. He invested in their lives. He taught them. He talked with them. He invested and he communicated with them and in their lives. He displayed the Father who was God in heaven through his action and who through his words. We looked at that last week. They knew by looking at Jesus, they could see the creator of the universe. They knew who Jesus was. He changed them from, for, to be different. He changed them from what they were to what they would be from, from the point he met them to the point that they became disciples and apostles. When you think about it, Peter went from smelling like fish at the end of every day. You can imagine what that would have been like every day. Every day at the end of the day, Peter smells like fish. But he went from smelling like fish at the end of every day to teaching the word of God each and every day, all day long, from, from daylight to dark. Man, he taught the word of God. He was a completely changed person. He was set apart. He was different. The purpose of the apostles was to begin the early church that after Jesus ascended into heaven. Jesus never talked about church until the church was formed after he ascended into heaven. That's what the apostles' job was. When we look at it, he ascended to heaven. The Bible says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. He sits there interceding on our behalf. He's the, the middleman between us and God, but he's interceding on our behalf. Our behalf. Now look at this. Nowhere in the Bible do we read that Jesus ever told the apostles that their Christian walk was going to be easy. Amen? He never said this is going to be an easy journey. As a matter of fact, he said completely opposite. He said things are going to be extremely hard. If you look in John 15, 20, you see where Jesus is talking. And he says, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. You think about the Bible in the, in the scripture where Jesus has told them on three separate occasions, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. They're going to they're gonna persecute me. They're going to kill me. I'm going to die. And, and yet the disciples would, would kind of ignore it or, or, or brush it off, so to speak. But Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you the same way. What they've done to me, they're going to do to you. The same goes on even throughout the day and even throughout this day. But fear not, Jesus said, fear not, because I have overcome the world. Amen? It doesn't matter what they do to me. I have overcome the world. Fear not, because I've overcome the world. And here's the best part about it. I will walk with you every step of the way. You're never going to be alone because the Holy Spirit's going to come, because the Helper's going to come. You're never going to be by yourself. You're never going to be alone. I'll be with you every step of the way. That's the thing for the Christian life. When you become a a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And you're never alone. You always have the power of God with you. The Christian life, let me tell you something, it's difficult. Amen? It's a difficult life. This life is difficult, man. Life is difficult in itself. 
But the Christian walk is just as difficult. That means it gets easier when you become a Christian because life is full of a struggle. There's a struggle in each and every word. Jesus said it's going to be difficult. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Man, our world is full of sickness. We have a hard time navigating through sickness. We have a prayer time. We lift up sickness. We lift up people who are dealing with physical issues, physical, emotional issues. Sickness is all around us. But let me tell you something. It's hard to navigate through it sometimes. But without Jesus Christ, it's even more difficult. But with the Father's presence, with the Holy Spirit guiding us every step of the way, he walks with us and he's there with us shoulder to shoulder. Many times he's carrying us. The purpose the purpose that God placed on the Christians is it hasn't changed. I Man, it hasn't changed since the apostles were given that message. The apostles were charged with the message of sharing the gospel, telling people about Jesus. That message hasn't changed, amen? It's still the same, the same way. The primary purpose that Jesus gave to the apostles was to spread the gospel. Listen to this, to tell people what Jesus had done for them. To tell them how much God loves them. To tell them everything that God wants them to know. To tell them how Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for them on the cross. How he went to the cross for them. How he endured the pain, the humility, and the suffering for them and went to the cross for them. How he spent time in a borrowed tomb for three days. It's a borrowed tomb because he wasn't planning on staying there. He spent time for three days to tell people that God raised him from the dead on the third day. When you look at what the apostles were teaching and what they were saying, that's exactly what they were saying. Man, the, the Jesus Christ he's talking about is in, the, in, in heaven today sitting at the right hand of the Father. He sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. The Bible says that as a result of being obedient to the will of God placed on the life of the apostles, when you think about it, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church begin to grow numerically. Nothing slowed it down. This is important when we think about it, how the church growth and how it continued to grow, even though the church was being persecuted. Throughout the, the book of Acts, we read where the church continued to deal with hardship. The church had continued to be persecuted. Early on, we see where Paul's part of that persecution. When he changes on the road to Damascus, he's part of the solution. But we think about all through Acts, we see how the early church has continued to be persecuted. They continue to, to be, have to deal with struggle, to deal with difficulty. But at bottom line, when you see the end of almost every single pass, you see that the church continued to grow. Amen? God's word continued to grow. Luke records early in the book of Acts, we'll read where Peter and John, if you go back, it says Peter and John were told to stop preaching in, in, the, in this man's name. You go back a little bit further, you'll see that they were told to stop preaching. Man, you need to quit that. You're causing an uproar in the city. You're, you're making it hard for us to, to keep control of everything that's going on. You need to stop what you're doing. They made it clear. And this is where we've got to stand firm in a world that, that's full of struggle. Look at the apostles. They made it clear they didn't take orders from anybody but Jesus Christ. They made it clear that they didn't take orders from anybody but the Lord. They made it clear that they were serving one master, not more than one. Let me tell you something. When God starts working, the devil starts working too. Satan starts working just because when God starts working, Satan's working as well. There's a, there's a conflict going on, but let me tell you something. Satan is no match for God. He's no match for what God is doing. God is working. He starts working through us, and, and Satan starts trying to, to intervene in certain things. But God is working in the lives of the apostles in the first century, and he's still working in the lives of Christians today. He's walking with Christians every single day. So let me tell you this. Satan will do everything he can to keep you from having a relationship with God. 
Satan come to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want you to have a relationship with, with fellow Christians. He doesn't want you to have a relationship with anybody. He doesn't especially want you to have a relationship with, with the Father. He doesn't want you to be in prayer time. He doesn't want you to have a, a focused 30 minutes a day of prayer time. He'll try to convince you that it's not important to spend time in God's Word. He'll try to convince you it's not important to be in God's house. He'll try to convince you it's not important to have a relationship with God's people, to be in fellowship with other Christians. He'll try to convince you that you're going to miss out on a lot of fun things if you commit to uh, serving the Lord. Let me tell you something. He'll even try to commit you that it's, it's wrong to ride motorcycles if you commit to the Lord. Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Isn't that a sweet thing? Let me tell you something. We know that all of that is not true. Amen? We know it's all not true because God can use you where you are for his mission and his purpose. Amen? Wherever you are, he can use you for your mission and purpose. He'll make it as difficult as he can to try to mislead you to believing his lies because he's the father of lies. He's the master of deception. All right, and we want to make sure we're we're focused on that. Let's look a little bit further. The Bible says that the high priest and the apostles were the high priest had the apostles arrested and put them in jail. The high priest and the Sadducees got together. They tried to come up with a plan. They wanted to quench this spirit. They wanted to quench this this statement that's going on. They want to quench these these apostles from what they're doing. They want to stop them from what they had to hear. When we look at that, at verse 17 says that the high priest and the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. That's what I, I held back on that just a second ago. Their motive was jealousy. They were jealous of what was taking place. When you think about it, where did jealousy start? You go all the way back to Genesis to Cain and Abel. That's the first sign of jealousy. And boy, it grew all the way through the Bible and all the way through Scripture in the Old Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. But that's what was driving the high priest and the Sadducees was pure old jealousy. The apostles did not resist arrest. Let's look at that. And the Bible's clear. The apostles did not resist arrest, and they quietly went along with the temple guard. Man, did you see that in Jesus Christ when he was arrested in the garden? Same thing. He went along peacefully. When it was his time, he went along peacefully, even though he had to restrain Peter from being a little bit uh, tough on the guard. But he went along peacefully. These disciples and these apostles had been taught by the master. They had been taught every action, how to, how to respond to things. They went along peacefully, is what it said. They trusted God for what they had. They trusted God for the consequences that they were going to have to deal with. And they actually spent some time in jail, not much time, because the angel of the Lord was not going to settle on that. They didn't spend a lot of time there, but they did spend some time in the jail, is what the Scripture says. But during the night, the angel of the Lord set them free. The angel of the Lord opened the doors, let them out, all the apostles. Now, we're not just talking about Peter and John. We're talking about all the apostles. It's, it mentions Peter, and we, we mentioned John. But basically, every single one of the apostles had been arrested together. So the angel opens the door, lets them all out, closes the door behind them so that the guards don't even see this. And the next day, the guards are still standing, and the doors are closed. But he opened the door, let them out. And here's the thing. What was important about this, go stand in front of everybody in the temple and teach them about Jesus. I mean, get out. Get to work. I, you, I, I mean, I need you out in the field working. Here's the thing. Tell them about the Christian life. That's what it says. Tell them about this life. Tell them about the Christian life. Tell them what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Go get out and tell them. Not go hide from your enemies. Not leave town. Not go hide from the public. But we need you back in the temple in broad daylight teaching the word of God, teaching people about the love of Jesus. Let me tell you something. You can't quench the word of God. Amen. 
when you're on fire, when God sets a fire in you, when he lights a fire in you, you can't put it out. And it's a light. It's a light that shines in the darkness, ain't it, Ashley? You can't put that rascal out. And let me tell you, you get on fire for the Lord, and you can see it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so strong. Not go hide. The apostles returned to doing the very thing that got them locked up in the first place. When I, I looked at think the apostles were repeat offenders. Huh? Now, I'm th- let's look at this. Today, times, it's not a good thing to be a repeat <laughs> offender today, right? You get put in jail, you don't want to be a repeat offender. All right? But let's think about it. When, when, the, when the worldly law contradicts godly law, we want to be a repeat offender. Amen? We want to be a repeat offender. We want to stand just like the apostles did, and we want to make sure that, that people know where we stand and who we serve and what, what we, who we stand for. You can't quench the Word of God. Satan can't quench it. He can't quench it even though he tries to. When God lights a fire of people, you can't put it out. Look at this. The apostles were ordinary people. Most of them just kind of enjoyed fishing. Man, they were ordinary people. They weren't nothing special. They weren't seminary graduates. They were ordinary people who came to know the Lord. They were ordinary people that, that Jesus invested in who came to, to be first century apostles, to, to teach people about Jesus Christ. They had the power of God working inside of them. God was doing the work through their lives, through the apostles, because they were obedient. Because they were obedient and they let him work in their lives. That's all you've got to do and that's all I want to charge you to do. If you want God to work in you and through you, you have to be obedient. You've got to let him you got to let him come inside. There's a lot of times we say, well, I can do it better my way. I'm going to tell you something. You can't do it better your way. you got to let him come in and let him lead and you follow. The apostles didn't change their convictions. They didn't deviate from what they were called to do. They did exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. They did exactly what they had been trained to do. They did exactly what they were told to do. They didn't compromise the word of God. That's where we don't compromise the word of God. If you want to know what the Bible says about it, read it, look at it, and you don't compromise from it. You don't deviate from it. You don't say things like, I know this is hard for you to believe, so I'm going to meet you in the middle. I know it's hard for you to believe, so I'm going to give a little bit. You give a little bit, I'll give a little bit. We'll meet in the middle. We'll get a, a compromised situation. Let me tell you, you can't compromise the word of God. The apostles were obedient servants, and they trusted God with the consequences they would have to deal with for serving him. The Bible says that you cannot serve two masters. When you look at that, the Bible says you can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. You don't serve two. You think about what is your, your master. Scripture says you'll love one and hate the other. You've got to make a choice between the two. The apostles made a choice. They weren't willing to compromise what they were told to do by, by God the Father. They weren't going to take any orders from anybody other than the Lord. Jesus Christ, not merely a king, even though he is a king. He's the king of all kings. He's not a king. He's the king. And God always has the final say. And there's, there's a little, another little section for that, but God always has one more move. That's an inside thing with, with Patty and myself. My, my son-in-law has a painting of, of, of a chessboard with some people on it. And, and on that chessboard, it looks like this, this one person who represents Satan has the upper hand on the other person who's about to, to lose the game. But the angel's standing in the background, and you can look at the chess pieces and tell that there's one more move that the king has. And the theme of that painting is God, there's a, the king has one more move. That's a different issue. If you want to Google that and look it up, it's an awesome message as well. When the world that we live in contradicts God's word and says our obligation, uh, when the world that we live in contradicts God's word, 
says that, that we should do what it wants us to do. Our obligation is to the Almighty God, and that's superior to anything that we have to deal with. God has the final say. Apostles made it clear on which side they were standing on. Sometimes we've got to do that. Sometimes we've got to make it clear which side we're standing on. We want to make sure that people know that we're not willing to compromise our stance. The apostles weren't willing to compromise their stance. They were making Jesus Christ known throughout the world. They stood firmly on the Lord and they honored the courage. He honored the courage that they had. Their message didn't change. The message hasn't changed since the beginning. It's still the same. Jesus Christ paid sin debt. He went to the cross for us. He was hung on the cross for a period of time until he took his last breath. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He stayed there for three days, and then God raised him from the dead on the third day where he sits at the right hand of the Father today. They boldly proclaimed that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead, and that's what we talked about. The fact that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father is a key theme in the Bible. Where he is today is a key thing. You want to make sure you understand that, that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. When you look at what the right hand represents, the right hand of a leader is a place of honor, power, and authority. It's the closest place you can get to that leader without actually being the leader. That's the closest place, and that's where Jesus Christ sits. Christian life is not a parking lot. This is something I want you to think about. Man, we're not to sit idle. When we become believers, we may be spiritual infants, but we're growing in a relationship with him. We're not to sit idle. It's not a parking lot. It's a launching pad. It's a springboard. We've got to get fired up. We've got to get excited about what God wants us to do as a church. We've got to grow in that relationship. It's not enough to be a born-again believer or a spiritual infant. We must grow spiritually and make progress in our daily walk with Jesus Christ. We must strive to grow. Grow is so important in our relationship with El Shaddai, on a daily basis. I got some scripture I want to read with you just to represent and strengthen the fact of how important it is that we grow in our relationship. Second Peter 3.18 says this, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be the glory, both now and in the day of eternity. Hebrews 12.2 says this, he tells us that Jesus is the author or the originator of our faith. And our faith in him comes from Jesus Christ. He's the author of it. He's the originator of it. And as the originator of it, he leads us into new experiences that test our faith. He leads us in experiences that actually test us and ultimately grow us in our relationship with him. Because when we do testing, when we go through testing issues, when we go through the trials that, God, that, that life gives us, it's a dependence issue where we grow closer to the Father as a result of growing closer with him on our daily walk. Hebrews 6.1 states this, let us press on to maturity. Growth ends with maturity. And we'll never end in, in maturity until we're standing in the presence of the Father. But you think about it. The Bible tells us that we've got to continue to grow. We cannot uh, be mature Christians unless we follow Jesus Christ as he leads us through these faith issues, as he leads us through these testing issues, as we go through the struggles that we have to deal with. Church, as we try to live a godly life, I want to leave you with a couple, couple statements here. We must remember that we are God's platform. We're God's spokesman. We are different than the rest of the world. Now, not different in a negative way, but we are different. We're God's spokesman, and we're supposed to be different. We need to thank God for the opportunity he's given us and ask him to keep us focused on the mission because of the, the mission that's lays before us. The mission of the church is to make every day a day to help people take one step closer to Jesus Christ. Amen? 
That's our mission every day. If they're lost, to show them Jesus and to tell them what he's done for all people. And if they are born-again believers, to help them grow closer to him every single day. Man, that's our mission of the church. We're not to sit idle. We've got to show them God's love. We've got to make sure they, they feel God's love, that they see God's love, that they experience God's word. Love through physical, uh, meeting physical needs and through meeting spiritual needs and meeting emotional needs. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loved us so much that he's willing to take Jesus out of heaven where he was at since the beginning, before the beginning of the world. Jesus Christ has been with God the Father, but he was willing to, to let him come out of heaven, not to give up his deity, but to take on a human form so that he could walk the walk of every human, so they could feel the pain, so that he could, could give us a, a, a direct relationship of everything that we're going through, but to come down to us because he loved us that much. Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. And everybody wants a gift. You love to get a gift. But the greatest gift that's ever been given was Jesus Christ to pay the sin debt for each of us. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This world is full of sin. Satan is the master behind it. He's going to try his best to keep you away from God through sin, through, through separation. Sin is a barrier. And it keeps us from getting to God because God can't look on sin. He had to provide us a solution for sin. And he sent Jesus Christ for that solution. Romans 10, 13 says this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the best part about it. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what your track record is. It doesn't matter anything. It says whoever calls on the name of the Lord, the Lord is just. And he'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life. And you will spend eternity with him in heaven. Isn't that the best news ever? Man, that's the best news ever. Friends, when our time on this earth is over and our life is short, man, this life is short. When our time on this earth is over, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. And eternity is too long to be wrong. We're either going to spend eternity separated from God in hell or eternity with him in heaven. And that's where we want to make sure that the decisions we make on this life and this time determine where we spend eternity Maybe you'd like to know and, and know without a shadow of a doubt that you'll spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. Romans 10, 9 says this. He makes it very simple. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you open up your heart, you invite him in, you turn your life over to him, you will be saved. It's just that simple. You'll be a changed, different person when that happens. In a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. If you don't know this Jesus I've been talking about, I'd love to share with him more about it. I'd love to tell you more about him. Whatever it is, I'll be down front. I'd love to talk to you about him. Our altar is always open. If you've got something you need to lay at the foot of the cross and you want to bring it to the altar, certainly bring it this morning. Our deacons would love to pray with you. I'll pray with you whatever you need. This, this time is set aside for you. Father God, I come before you this evening. Thanking you for who you are. God, just thanking you for what's in your word. Thank you for the power that's in your word. And thank you for the power that's in your name. And God, just thank you for how much you love each one of us. And God, I just pray for every person that's here. God, if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, I pray that this day would be the day that they would come to know you. God, for others in our congregation, I pray that you would just move amongst the lives that are here. God, just let us feel your presence this day and every day to come. Father, we ask these things in your Son's precious and holy name. Amen.